You're listening to the America for God podcast, the show that examines the state of America and the need for God in our lives. Each week we ask the question, for a nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal, what must we do to survive and honor the Lord? The show is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and by visiting our website, AmericaForGod.com. Episode 2, Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. Today on our show, we have Scott V. Black. Scott is the host of the LikeItMattersRadio.com show. He's also a counselor and an avid blogger at wayofwarrior.blog. So welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks. Glad to be here, Daniel. So tell us about yourself. Where are you today? Where have you been in the past? How did you get to where you are today? And what was your journey like? Okay. Well, uh, right now I, I, I reside in the beautiful state of Texas in the Fort Worth area. Uh, I do My primary motive, what I do right now is I help people. I, I believe I'm a conduit for God's uh, blessings, you know, God tells us to be a blessing, you know, if you bless Israel, you know, God will bless you. And so we're supposed to be a conduit. I think all of us have been blessed so that we can pass that blessing on. Uh, you know, we're either a conduit or a, uh, um, uh, uh, some type of vessel. We're either a conduit or a cistern. And so a cistern holds things like this coffee cup I have. And so God puts people in our lives and stuff in our lives. And we, we have this vessel that we hold it in. That's one way. But the other one is a conduit which is like a sprinkler pipe system. So it just gets things from point A to point B. And I like to believe I'm a conduit. God's put a lot of knowledge and information in me. And so I've done uh, intensive leadership training for 30 years at likeitmatters.net. It's the toughest two and a half day training available. I have four two and a half day classes. Uh, I've been doing it for 30 years, like I said, and it is the toughest, most powerful training. It's not open to public, it's by referral only. And it's secular leadership training. Uh, it's based on the Japanese training of Kenrishi Yose Gaka, which uh, during the 60s and 70s, the Japanese uh, were really rebuilding their country thanks to America. And they came up with this concept uh, by Dr. Demi of constant never ending improvement. And so in Japan, they had leadership courses that when you were up for promotion in your corporations, uh, if you were going to top level management, you would have to go through these two week camps, which they politely called hell camps. And uh, a guy who I went to work for had seen 60 Minutes do an expose on this, the, the Harvard of these leadership schools called Kenrishi Yosegako. And so they brought it to America, did two classes in California. The guy I learned this from uh, sat in on those two classes. Uh, they didn't let him take notes. So at the end of the day, they'd call home. He'd tell his girlfriend everything they did and write it down. So after doing that twice, uh, they actually started doing that on their own. They, uh, and over a couple of years, they figured out this two and a half day platform. Uh, and then God brought me to that company. You know, it's interesting because I don't want to mention that company. It's a very new age. Um, you know, I used to get in trouble all the time for inferring or implying God. And, you know, I always find it interesting, Daniel, that if you look at, um, you know, the pictures of Christ, you know, we have Moses and we have Joseph, right? Two great pictures, forerunners, if you will, of the Messiah. And Moses was trained in the house of Pharaoh, which is Egypt. And if you know the Bible, whenever they mention Egypt, they're talking about the world. So the Egypt represents the world. And when you're looking back at the Old Testament, and so Moses was trained in the world 
for the kingdom of God. And then you look at Joseph. Where did Joseph wind up as well? He also wound up in Egypt, which again, if you understand the Bible, they're always referring when we talk about uh, Egypt, the world. And so again, Joseph was trained in the world for use by God. And so I find it fascinating that I was trained in the world for use by God. And so I learned this training. I went through this training as a participant. I was in the insurance business. And uh, then the owner of the company pulled me aside, called me in his office and said, listen, you're, you're a unique creature. You got what it takes to train this class. Would you be interested? And at the time I was making a pretty good living. I, I was a poor white kid as a kid. We were white trash, I can be honest with you. And so I was on my own at 16 years old in the army at 17 years old, we were really poor. And so now here I am 25, 26 years old, and I'm making six figures a year in the insurance business with country mutual insurance. I had the more automobiles insured than anybody else in the country at that time. And I was based out of Las Vegas. And so this guy calls me and his name is Michael Knapp, calls me in his office and said, listen, we'd like you to be our first full-time trainer. I became a trainer. I was their youngest master trainer. They called him master trainer. They gave us samurai swords. It was a really big deal. Uh, it took me six months. What took everybody else two to three years. Because I had a background in the military, had a background in theater arts. I, was a, I went to UNLV. I was a cheerleader for the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, running Rebels during Jerry Tarkanian's time. I did a lot of theater arts work, uh, theater arts major for a little while, political science. Uh, I had a two-year stint in the army uh, right out of high school. And so all this stuff that by itself meant nothing, all of a sudden with this new training, God was taking all these pieces of my experience that by themselves were nothing and put them together in a unique way. So now this process of memorizing a manual, of performing at an intense level, of having more energy than most people think is possible after a pot of coffee for two and a half days, uh, I became, I mastered it. So in six months, I was their youngest trainer ever, fastest trainer ever. And, and also I was a Christian. And so I was always a target because I would infer, imply Christ, but did a very back door uh, because I, my walk back then wasn't where it should have been. At the time I would have told you it was great. It's nowhere near great now that I know what I know. And so I went on and actually left the insurance business, walked away from six figure income I would have been guaranteed that year after year just with renewals. Walked away and went to this company and became their first full-time trainer. They never had a full-time trainer. Uh, and I also became their sales manager. And so within a short period of time, very successful. Uh, I was making upwards of $40,000 a month. Yeah, I was really good. I mean, I had created my own company within that company. I had uh, my uh, sales team and all that. And because I was doing so good, they actually made me create a corporation so that they weren't responsible for my matching FICA. So I was making a lot of money and they didn't want to, even though they told me what to do, they treated me like it was a 1099, but I was really an employee, but that's just how they were. And so I created my own company working for them called Empower You. Uh, and within a year of that, um, we were at war. This, this company, this owner of this company and me, because uh, I was a rising star. A lot of people thought it was my company. Uh, I was their sales manager. I was their top salesman. And it really ruffled a lot of feathers. I was so young. I was ego driven. I had an ego on me. Uh, and so one day they showed up in Reno, which I moved up to Reno without them knowing from Las Vegas, opened a second office up in Reno. And within a month, unannounced, they flew up to Reno from Vegas. I come in the morning to open my door and there they are standing there. Like, whoa, what are you guys doing here? 
and uh, they came up there to uh, cut my legs off. Uh, told me that no one likes me and they were uh, canceling my contract. But they were going to be nice. And if I walked away with no problems and gave them all my stuff I'd been working on, they would give me a one month's uh, pay before they cut me off. Uh, and I never, I'll never forget, I had my headset on and I turned the phone on. I didn't do anything and dialed 911 and said, hey, get out of my office because the office was in my name. I paid the bill, had nothing to do with them. Uh, and so they left and uh, two weeks later, hit me with a lawsuit. I was attempting to survive, went from making $40,000 a month to nothing instantly. And uh, I attempted to do something that they used to do, weren't doing anymore to survive for a year to honor my no compete, but they would have none of that. So they wanted to destroy me. Uh, matter of fact, the in, in we went to a mediation to see if we could keep out of being in a full-blown lawsuit. And this guy who was an alcoholic, who's a controlling thing, like my father was, very similar to my father, he leans into me with his attorney and my attorney said, I will squash you like a bug. I have a million dollars more than you. And that was how we started mediation. So, and I know it sounds long, but this is an incredible story. So here I am, I'm up against Goliath and I'm little David. They have three high priced attorneys. They have all this stuff. I have a country bumpkin lawyer out of Fallon, Nevada. By the grace of God, he helped me. Uh, Rick Lawton, still remember the guy's name. Uh, he, uh, we were getting mauled. And so here was the last day of the court hearing and I'm just being abused. They, we show up, they're there with all these big old charts and all this, all these high powered attorneys. And I'm, my goose is cooked. I mean, I'm just waiting for how much do I lose? Will I even be able to recover from all this? And as they're going into it, it's weirdest thing. My attorney interrupts the judge and says, judge, judge. And there's one line in the contract that they kept going back to, said that I could not do anything that this company did on or before the date of my hire. And even though what I was doing to buy my time for a year into it, they were no longer doing, the technicality of that thing saying on or before cooked my goose. And so here we are sitting, I'm, I'm basically waiting for the, you know, to be cut off, to be thrown in debtor's prison, to be homeless, all this. And my attorney interrupts and refers to that line. And so they go to that line, Daniel, and or is missing. A two letter word or is missing. So what it says is on before. There was no or in there, but we were all reading it as on or before. And the strangest, I get chills, I haven't told that story in years, because that two-letter word canceled everything. I won. Because the vagueness of what does on before mean? I mean, and I'm telling you right now, four, four attorneys, three high-priced ones, and then mine. <laughs> and they were considered themselves pretty smart, too, the two owners of the company. Everybody saw that word there. It was on or before. It had been talked about 20 times over that court case. Uh, and that was, I think, one of the first times where I really, like, wow, God removed a word or made them see the word that wasn't there to set them up one way or the other. But you talk about divine intervention. Very seldom I've ever been able to actually identify it. You know, we know it happens a lot without us knowing it. But very seldom in my life have I ever been able to actually identify divine intervention. And that was a huge moment for me because it showed me that something supernatural, something spiritual 
had taken place. And uh, the grace of God, I won. But now it was, okay, now go compete. So they actually wound up paying my attorney's fees. I think I got like $40,000, which was about a month's worth of salary. And I, this had been 12 months since I'd made any money, 12 months. And so I got like 40 grand. But the clincher was, uh, I was still a month and a half or two months into my no compete. The, the remaining balance of my no compete was lifted and I could uh, compete, but I never wanted to have my own company. I had never been a trainer. I never desired to be a trainer. Everything that God had done would prepare me. I memorized a manual and they taught me how to deliver it. So my proficiency was in that specific manual. I memorized it in a very short period of time. I was a good actor from my background. I performed well and I took instruction well. And so what happened is I think it was July of uh, 1992, I think it was. I actually did my first company. Uh, it was, I actually labeled it, I mean, my first class, I actually labeled it class 101. It's so out of the box that I was afraid that people in the class would think this is so stupid and it's class number one. I'm not gonna do this, what does he know? This is his first class. So, uh, so I actually labeled it class 101. Wanted to make sure that people thought it was so crazy, so out of the box that they'd still do it because they could say, I guess he knows what he's doing. He's done a hundred other classes before this. <laughs> I'll never forget that. But um, what I did is I took what they were doing and a gift that God's always gave, given me is I have the ability to take someone that's something that's done and make it better. That's really a unique gift. So I can take something that you write and use it as a, a base and then make write it better. And I'm not talking about you specifically. You probably do a lot better than I can do. But I can take anything uh, and make it better. That's kind of one of my, it's a weird gift I have, but that's what I have. So I basically went to my good clients when I was with this other company and said, hey, I'm on my own now. I'm uh, rewriting the training. Uh, what did you like about the training that you did with us? And what did you not like? And then I used that and I changed some things. Uh, and the training I created was far better than the training that they delivered. I, I, had, um, uh, I put some really key pieces in it. I've always had a gift of curriculum too. I can put things together well. Uh, God's wired me in a unique way. And so I can put together curriculum. That's one of my giftings. And so I created a class that when people got done with it, there were five or six high points. And all those high points were things I added that were not in the class that I had been teaching for them for a couple of years. So I didn't just take what they were doing and do it better. I actually rewrote it, kept the spirit of the Japanese training, the intensity, the passion, uh, and uh, rewrote it. And from there, I mean, I created this huge company. I mean, it called Empower You. Uh, was uh, formed in 92, I think it was, uh, and until 2012. Remember 2008, uh, the, the economy crashed and uh, I could still keep going for a couple of years because my lives were by referral only. And I can give you hundreds of testimonials from military, from law enforcement, Coca-Cola, Kraft, Nabisco. Two and a half days will change your life. I've, I've changed tens of thousands of people's lives uh, I, I teach people how they work. And so I teach a lot about the science of the brain. Uh, my, my disciplines are, I'm a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, my disciplines are cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, transactional analysis, Dr. Burns' work, emotional intelligence, logotherapy, Dr. Victor Frankel. So I've incorporated all this stuff into this basic training that they had. And really I teach people how they work. And now I've been doing that uh, since 92. In 2012, because the economy, I had to shut down Empower You. 
because uh, we were just in the hole too much. And, you know, I had, uh, what, uh, about uh, 10 or well, 92, so about 20 years of experience, uh, graduate list, everything. And the lady I had working for me, she uh, had set up all my websites and all that stuff uh, 15, 20 years ago. And for some reason, when we lost Empower You and we had to open a new company, I could no longer access my, my database or my uh, website because she had signed up all the papers under her name, uh, nothing nefarious, just done it to get it going. And now she, some reason it was her maiden name or married name or switched names and something was wrong that God had me lose all that stuff after over like matter. Why that matters is I realize as I look back now that it had become, I had put it on my throne. I had found something I was so successful in. I mean, honestly, it was like a drug. I mean, it's like a climax experience. In two and a half days, I get people this peak performance level that you would need drugs to get to. It is the ultimate feeling of renewal, refreshing. People feel 20 years younger, uh, rebirth of marriage. People that are struggling with drug addiction. They're off of it. I could tell you thousands of stories about people who went to the hospital, I mean, went to the doctors the week after my class and were taking off their blood pressure medication, were taking off their um, um, antidepressants because the doctor said, what, wow, what, what's different about you? Because the blood pressure's dropped, they're not struggling with depression because I actually teach people how God made us. And so as I look back now, God actually took all that away because that had become my God. It, it, I was because I'd found something I was so good at it was my way to impact people, but accidentally, not purposefully, it became everything. I mean, everything I wore had the logo on it, even underwear. I had underwear with a logo. <laughs> and I didn't realize at the time, but I can see back looking back now, it had become my God. Mm. And God had to from me. And it cost me a lot. It cost me a lot of money, leads, and uh, connections I had for years. Uh, and so then I had to roll all that into a company called Like It Matters. Because my motto is always, when you live your life like it matters, it does. Uh, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. There are six elements of a well-formed outcome. In other words, six pieces that need to be in place for an outcome to be properly set. And one of them is this, it must be within the realm of your control. To, to make a goal that's dependent on another person is not properly formed because you can't control another person. Corporations make you do it, uh, families do it, but it's technically not what we call not well-formed. And so uh, I, I basically started, uh, just rolled the company name over to Like It Matters. It made sense. When you live your life like it matters, it does. And so since 2012, that's uh, been the company name. I've been doing two and a half day intensives uh, for 30 years. Uh, about eight years ago, uh, God told me uh, to start sharing the word of God with people. And so it happened with my wife today. When she went through, she wasn't my wife. She's just a student. And then a little while later, we started dating. And then I realized that that was the one that God gave me. And I started with her. I had led her to Christ in my class. And again, this is secular leadership training. You got to get this, Daniel. <laughs> There's nothing like that. But again, I'm a man of God. So I would connect dots for people. I would teach how the mind works and then tie it in scripturally to say this. And, and I'll never forget, I told my wife in class, because I was just teaching class. And I, and I teach about the power of the mind and how that we can... God made our unconscious mind so powerful. You know, we only use three to 5% of our brain consciously. Uh, and we have this unconscious brain that runs the ship. And yet most people don't know it exists. 
And if you're going to make any lasting change, you must do it the way the unconscious brain works. And so I teach people how their unconscious mind works, how God made us. And then I make this thing. I have people do things where one minute they can be lifted and then just put some imagery in their head, just some imagery. And then a minute later, they cannot be lifted off the ground. Tapping in the unconscious mind, the power of how God made us. And so I talk about that and people jaw dropped. They're like, how is that possible? I go, it's incredible. I go, now I want you to think about this. God was fully man. Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God. You got to get that. There's been ever no, no person like that. Fully man and fully God. Not 50% man and 50% God. Fully man and fully God. And yet he pushed away his godly abilities. He never called on that. And so I said, I want you to think about this. Jesus Christ walked on water. Jesus Christ healed people. And he actually said, and there's debate on what it actually meant. I get that. But he actually said, these things I've done, you too can do them and even greater. And then I wonder, so if God, and then I pose this question rhetorically. So here's the thing. If God and Jesus Christ did not use his godly powers, then how did he do what he did? What if, and it's always the pause, what if, it's like the Hewlett Packard commercial. What if, what if it was because he was fully man? And we're only partial man. We use three to 5% of our brain consciously, the rest of it's unconscious. But imagine, and I think that goes back to the fall from the garden. I think in the garden, we were probably fully man. But once we fell, and again, we don't know all this. There's a lot we don't know in the Bible. God doesn't see a need for us to know. But something happened where we became a portion of man. Because remember, sin's an archery term. It means to miss the mark. And when God's given us gifts and talents, and we don't use those gifts and talents to their fullest, then we miss the mark. That's the sin. And so imagine if we could fully access everything that God made us, we might be able to walk on water or actually do things that today people tell you are impossible. Yeah, like um, like if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could tell the mountain to pull itself up and move over there. Yeah, definitely. Amen. And that little seed I planted brought her to Christ. And then I would, you know, just do my own Bible study and then I'd type up some things, little nuggets, and then I'd start sending them to her every day. I'd send them to her. She was the first one. And that was about eight years ago, uh, maybe nine years ago. And God's told me every single day to do that. So every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, I don't care the holiday, I don't care what I'm doing, even when I've been in the hospital, still did it. I type up this blog, we call it blog, it started real simple, it was the word of God, and then how do you apply it? Because, you know, I bring a lot of people into the kingdom. Um, the last class I did, Leadership Awakening class, uh, a month ago, we had seven people in it. One person quit because it's tough class. It's not an easy class. Six people, st six people stayed. Uh, one of them, I had to cast out demons during the first half of the final exam. Remember, this is a secular trip. <laughs> you get this. So I actually kicked first half final exam. It's very intense. I had to kick everybody else out, saw that he was under demonic attack, cast out demons of this guy. And then I led him in the sinner's prayer and he came to Christ. Uh, after that was done, I had one of the guys, a high-level executive of one of my big finance companies, pull me outside and say, I need to talk to you. He's got tears. This guy's 6'4", 35 years old probably, bigger than I am, and the guy's pouring tears. And he goes, well, I go, what's wrong? He goes, um, there's something missing in my life. Hmm. And I go, are you ready to make that commitment? And he goes, yes. Would you like me to pray you into the kingdom? Yes. And so outside the door. So of the six, I prayed two into the kingdom 
and three of the four recommitted their lives to Christ. They said they were Christians, but they weren't really walking that way. And so in a secular training, I just want to make sure you get this. Five of the six people are walking with God now. That's awesome. That's normal. So I, I do this daily blog now. I've turned it into a blog. It started out something little, but I share the word of God. And then what I do is I, I address you as three roles. Type the, I put the scripture I'm referencing, and then I address you as a warrior, as a leader, and as a conduit. And so a warrior, because God tells us to fight the good fight, right? Paul uses those analogies all the time. Uh, and then as a leader, because people are looking for someone to follow. Uh, that's why Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. In other words, he says, watch me, and whatever I do, you do it. And he's telling us, follow me. And so people are, I learned this a long time ago, because I teach leadership, that people are looking for someone to follow. They're always looking for someone to follow. And I've raised my kids up right in the way of the Lord. And so even when my kids were little, I got four of them, people were always welcome to come over my home. And when they did, uh, my kids were responsible for their friends and they would have to abide by our rules. And if they didn't, then my kids would get in trouble. But my kids never went over anybody's house because I deal with people. I know uh, molestation and abuse. I was abused as a child by my dad a lot. Uh, he was an alcoholic. And so I made sure I was gonna protect my kids so that they would never have to deal with that. And so, um, you know, I teach my kids how to lead. I teach other people how to lead because people are looking for someone to follow. Uh, and so I started doing this blog and now it's the warrior, it's the leader. And the third one is conduit. Like I said, the, you know, the, the Dead Sea is the lowest point on earth, one of the lowest points. And there are underground waterways that feed the Dead Sea, but nothing comes out of the Dead Sea. That's why it's dead. And I use the analogy that God's poured us into it, uh, poured into us. He puts people in our lives that are blessings. He gives us skills and talents. He uh, uh, sets in advance good works for us to walk through that God's preordained. And so we're just, uh, we, we've been blessed. And if we hold on to that, we're not using it properly. We're supposed to pass it on to others. And so that's why I do the blog on wayofwarrior.blog. Uh, I send it out personally still to this day, one at a time cut, paste, send, cut, paste, send to three to 400 people on text. Uh, they asked me to, so I do that. And then on the way of warrior.blog, they can just go there and at the bottom it says follow and they hit that button and they put in their email address or their phone number. And then whenever I post it every day, they shoots it out to them. So I have people that get it directly from the blog, but I still send one at a time. It takes about two hours every morning after I create it, cut, paste, send. Cut, paste. <laughs> you got to get MailChimp, man. MailChimp or HubSpot or something. But, you know, I really wanted it to be a personal message from God. You know, I do my best to keep it personal and not even reference me or anything like it. Again, I'm not saying it's right. I just how it seems to be how I've created it. So I do that. And then about five years ago, uh, I start, uh, I was approached out of Minneapolis. I did, done, do a lot of work in Minneapolis. I have a lot of graduates up there. Uh, the radio station, which is Salem, approached me they had bought the disney uh radio station and then they were going to turn it into a wellness station uh 15 a.m 1570 and they said listen i've heard a lot of good things about you paul ridgeway who's with the lord now he was a he was the famous um uh host of this radio show and i had done some work with paul uh because i have a program where i can actually capture your fingerprints daniel it's mind-boggling i can capture your fingerprints um send them to my scientists in india 
and give you a 38 page printout of your brain from your fingers without asking you a single question, without knowing anything about you, your age, nothing. They can print out based on, solely on those little patterns on your fingers, your brain. It's incredible. That's crazy. So I did this for this guy. I had told Paul something that no one else knew that his brain was equally 50% right brain, 50% left brain, which is very unique. And when I told him that, his jaw dropped. He goes, how do you know that? Only my neurologist knows that. I go, well, it's in your fingerprints. God gave us a unique pattern that identifies us. And the cool thing is, Daniel, that in, your, in utero, when you're in the gestation period where you're being formed and created, your fingerprints come in about the 13th to 21st weeks, the same time the lobes of your brain come in. This pattern, we believe, is a ditto of the five lobes of the brain corresponding because we always go across your prefrontal, frontal, temporal, occipital, and uh, I forgot what the other ones, but there's five of them. And your right side of your brain does one thing, your left side of your brain does a different thing. So there's 10 stations. I did this for Paul, was impressed. When they were opening their radio show, the new radio station, they approached me about doing a radio show with them. Uh, for the first time, I'm not proud of this, Daniel, I'm just being truthful. I asked God for permission. I know that sounds weird. I've done a lot of things in my life and a lot of us do that. And then we bring in God when it's collapsing. Oh God, help me, oh God. <laughs> and so, um, I asked God, God, can I do this? Is it okay? It took about five, six days. And then it's the strangest thing. I'm sitting in my sauna, which is my war room. I turn off the lights. I turn up to 150 degrees. It's an infrared sauna. I turn on worship music and I just sweat for an hour in there. And so I'm talking to God. I said, you know, God, I'd really love to do this. Uh, am I going to do it? I need to give them an answer. And as God is my witness, in my mind's eye, I see a smiley face emoji. And so it was just a, one of those yellow smiley faces. That's it. And I said, so God, does that mean I could do it? And then, and then again, and again, I, I don't know if I heard an audible or what, but he said, you're going to do it like you do leadership awakening. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And he basically gave, I heard some basic instruction. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do it. Now I had no money. We were already financially in a downward uh, turn. Uh, I had no way to fund it because it cost me about a hundred dollars a show. So about 2,500 bucks to three grand a month. I'm like, okay, God, but if he told me to do it. And so I started doing that. It'll be six years next month. Wow. Funny, because I didn't know what I was doing. I have my own music that I do in my classes. I've done five CDs with some, uh, some graduates. And so uh, I actually started playing music. I would talk a little bit and then play my music. Uh, and then I started doing other stuff. I mean, I knew nothing what I was going to do. And God just kept evolving and evolving and evolving it. And it was really after about three years doing it, I started, God started saying, okay, here's what you can do. I started getting an idea of how to switch it. Uh, and then about a year ago, it really big switches. And to me, it was always going to be like a Dr. Phil with a, like a Tony Robbins uh, with a, uh, 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 what is the guy's name? I can't remember his name. The guy who did the rest of the story, Paul Harvey. Oh yeah. Like a Paul Harvey type of thing. And so I, I like to, I love poetry. So I'll share stories of chicken soup for the soul. Uh, a Dr. Phil, Dr. Laura, where I actually was planning on doing some counseling, some therapy, but it's really turned into this great event. And uh, I really enjoy it. It's probably the, one of the things I have the most passion about. And so I do that. And then I do counseling. I do a, a lot of, I call myself a life caddy versus a life coach. Um, you know, I like the uh, analogy of a caddy. A caddy walks with you. A caddy carries your clubs. 
a caddy gives you advice on which club to use. He knows the course pretty well and knows the golfer pretty well. The golfer gets all the glory. The golfer makes all the money. It's the caddy, though, that gives some little information just to help that golfer play better, be more focused, take some burden off that person. And so I call myself a life caddy. And what I do is I counsel people. I, I, I know how the brain works. My background, like I said, is in neuro-linguistic programming. And so God's, a, you know, again, a lot of things of the earth, of the world that God's given me. To me, NLP is the owner's manual to the human experience. And if you study NLP, uh, very anti-God, but they don't have a place for God because NLP is all about quantification. How do you do what you do? And since you can't put God in a box, they really have a problem with that. But I'm, I, I don't give up my faith or anybody. Just because non-godly people uh, found it out and discovered it doesn't mean it's not from God. Again, I go back to Moses and Joseph, both trained in the world for God's kingdom. Uh, and I would, Daniel, put my abilities up against any double PhD. I counsel counselors. I counsel pastors. I have a seminary degree, but I eat scripture. Uh, I would put my knowledge of scripture, not against anybody. I mean, we all, all of our faith is off a little bit. I always tell people our theology is off a little bit, everybody, because only God's omniscient. And the, if you know what omniscient means, omniscient means perfect knowledge. That's why I tell people, you know, when you understand the the quantity, the qualities of God, I love A.W. Tozer, love A.W. Tozer. Uh, one of my favorite books he wrote was um, The Knowledge of the Holy, where he identified 18 attributes of God. And he said, God's omniscient, meaning he cannot learn and God cannot change, right? He's immutable. And so if you put those two together, God can't learn anything. God has perfect knowledge and perfect knowledge requires that it's all there. You can't learn anything new. And so since God has perfect knowledge, he knows everything you've ever gonna do before the beginning of time. He knew every sin. He knows the ones you're gonna do tomorrow, next week. And so here's the weird thing. God cannot be disappointed in us. That's stunning because I've lived a lot of my life thinking what a big letdown I am for God. You know, as on as a little kid, always told I wasn't enough. You know, I live in a world, Daniel, where I'm not enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not black enough. I'm not wealthy enough. I'm not a doubt enough. <laughs> you know, that's why I connect with people. I lead with my brokenness, Daniel. I lead with my brokenness. How screw I tell people I'm more screwed up than most of you. The difference is I know it. And some of you don't think you are. <laughs> people can never be disappointed if you lead with your brokenness. And then I think God uses me a lot because I'm at the point I'm 55 this year. I'm not looking to impress anybody. I have no bucket list. I don't need to meet anybody. I don't need to kiss anybody. I don't have to have physical relations with anybody. I don't need to hug my kids one last time. I have no bucket list. I am ready to be with my Lord. Uh, matter of fact, so some days I wake up where it's a little disappointing. I'm like, oh man, still here. Okay. Private Black reporting for duty, sir. That's awesome. That's about me. <laughs> That's a great story there, Scott. Um, it's very, very powerful and very compelling. And um, a lot of the technologies and, and um, a lot of the uh, philosophy that you've mentioned is is very um, familiar to me as as an agile coach. Um, a lot of organizations these days are using uh, agile practices and so on and um, NLP and, and so on. So that's, it's, that's pretty awesome there. Um, thinking about the way the world's going today, though, I mean, with the election results that have come out and before that, we've had rioting going on for, you know, the better part of nine months or, or so and, and coronavirus and all of that other kind of stuff. 
So what is your take on on what's happening in the world today and especially America? Well, first of all, I, I believe there is a real virus, uh, just like a flu virus. There's a flu virus. Uh, I believe it's a real virus. I believe if you uh, have comorbidities, especially uh, obesity, uh, age, you know, over a certain age. Uh, and I think that's more of a physical age than actual chronological age, because some people are a lot older than they look. You look at our president, Trump, he's 73 years old, but man, he, he runs circle on people in their 60s. So he got it, but again, it didn't wasn't as devastating. So I believe there's a virus. I believe that we need to take care of those with comorbidities. Uh, and again, most the, the average American, I think, is on 2.5 medications. Is I mean, if you look at the average, we're not impressive. And so, but I do believe that there are nefarious forces using this uh, for ill-gotten gain. Uh, I believe that we're uh, we're fear-mongering. I think that's why if Joe Biden does wind up winning, I don't think I, I still believe that with God all things are possible. Uh, it's because his running mate was COVID-19. His running mate was not Kamala Harris. His running mate was COVID-19. They had to work up Dr. Fauci. I think Dr. Fauci was a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. I think he has been. I think uh, people liked him and uh, 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 Trump got close to him, but I think he's always been there to damage Trump. I really do. I think he's a force of darkness. Um, and you know, there's a lot of times people say, you mean he's evil? Well, I think the devil uses people unwittingly. Uh, and you got two examples in scripture. I always go back to scripture. If you can't support it with scripture, number one, when Jesus was with Peter and Peter said, oh no, you're not going to the cross. And he said, behind me, Satan coming out of your mouth are not from my father. There's one that's showing that Satan feeds us thoughts. And the second one is in Chronicles. I think it's second Chronicles, maybe first Chronicles, where David, the Bible says David was told by the devil to take a census. Now, I don't think a dude in a red suit walked up to King David, hey, King David, <laughs> right? In other words, in his head, he heard, take a census. And he goes, I think I'll take a census. But the problem was God didn't tell him to take a census. That was his ego and all that, see what he had. And so there's two points. I think Dr. Fauci is kind of under that thing, that he's being used. And let's be honest, we've all been used by the devil before, unwittingly. I've, I've done things in the past that there's no doubt in my mind that, quote, the devil made me do it. He encouraged me to do it. I thought it was me doing it. Even though sometimes I actually thought that that was probably a good thing. No, it wasn't. I mean, Peter thought, saying, that, oh, no, nothing's going to happen to you, Lord. And Because we know this, you and I as Christians know this that the devil did everything he could to keep Jesus off that cross. People missed that point because he knew what Jesus said was going to happen. And so he did his best. What do you think the whole temptation in Luke 4 is? If you look at the three temptations that Luke gave Christ, they're all about easy. Now, listen, you don't know to need to go to the cross. It's too difficult. Just bow down before me right now. I'll give you all the kingdoms. Remember, he said, listen, your father hasn't fed you for 40 days. What a terrible father. Man, just take those stones and turn them into bread. Easy. Oh, listen, people don't believe you're God. Listen, you go up the highest pinnacle and you throw yourself down and the angels will swoop under you and grab you. It'll be a lot easier. And so it's always for the devil, always about easy. That is the that is the world's kind of nectar that, got, that gets us going the wrong way. It's easy. And God's not about easy. I always tell people, if you want easy, go, go to uh, Staples. You know, you can buy a button, an easy button, costs you eight bucks, uh, made with China lead, you know? And if you want easy, go to a bar at two o'clock in the morning, you'll find easy. But the problem is easy is not eternal. Our walk with Christ is not easy. It takes, Christ gave everything he had. We've got to die to ourselves. 
We've got to be a foreigner in a strange land. We've got to set ourselves up to be attacked and persecuted just because we love God. The world's going to hate us. And so I believe that uh, this coronavirus is preparing us to be under authority, uh, is used to get Donald Trump out of office, is used to scare us. And again, the Bible says pretty clearly we were not given a spirit of fear. And you look, and again, I hate to call our name, but I look at uh, Andy Stanley's church in Georgia. Two months ago, he said, shutting the whole thing down, shutting it down for the rest of the year. And then I look at John MacArthur, one of my favorite pastors in California, and he's challenged him in court. He's having his church service. And then I think, you know, here we are. It's interesting that we can't sing in church. We can't, a lot of us can't go to church or drive in church. I refuse to wear a mask in church, so I haven't been going because I will not wear a mask in church. So let me get this right. We're going to cry out to the God who's all-powerful, the God that we can overcome anything, but we're afraid of this little virus. And again, let's go back to omniscience. God knows our first day and our last day, brother. God, if we're supposed to die by coronavirus, it's already been written. Our last day has already been written. And Paul said it very clearly, some will not die. And I believe without a doubt, I would put my life on the line, not my salvation, but my life on the line, that there are millions of people living right now that will not die. I think we're at that place. And maybe it's not me. I don't know. I think I, I don't know. I don't think I do die. I think God's coming back soon. It's getting darker and darker. And so I believe the coronavirus was a tool that the devil's using. Uh, and boy, you don't believe me, go on Facebook, go on LinkedIn and say something bad about the coronavirus. That's not real. I just got, I got restricted off of, uh, off of uh, LinkedIn two months ago from posting data on why the coronavirus is not that big of a deal as they're making it. And then I got restricted now that I've been off for a couple of days and they're not letting me in right now, which is okay. Uh, because I put out their real data about the fraud that's going on in the different states, not made up. And they're saying I'm per, uh, pushing lies out there, which they're not lies, they're the truth. But now we're into censorship. So I believe that the devil is really on his high horse right now. The devil is very active. I think the black, you know, the black horse is running around right now, the, you know, plagues and all that stuff. But I, I believe that uh, it's not uh, as serious as people are making it. I believe we're not supposed to have a spirit of fear. I believe it was used to hurt Donald Trump. Uh, if you look at it, that's the number one issue that Joe Biden had going for him. Uh, and so I, I think that's where we're at. I think that Donald Trump uh, might not be a, I don't know, I think he has had a change. I think he, uh, he is now a, a child of God. But I don't think when he became uh, in office, that he most likely was. I don't know. Only God knows. God tells us not to judge. And that's what he means, not to decide who's his and who's not. So I don't know, but he's done a lot of things. I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of. I've done a lot of things. If you lined up some things I did in my past, even though they're distant past, but still you'd say a child of God doesn't do that. And I'd say, you're absolutely right. But I believe to today that Donald Trump is the most pro-Christian, pro-life, pro-Israel president we've ever had. When I voted for Donald Trump four years ago, uh, I was I voted for Donald Trump. I was not a fan. I'd never seen a single minute of The Apprentice. I'm not into the world's TV. I've never read any of his books. I, I thought he was the member, excuse my language, of the Lucky Sperm Club. You know, he was blessed. He was given a lot of stuff. Um, but never a big Trump fan. Uh, I voted for him because I believe that he was would make a, a good president. We need an outsider. But over the last four years, when I've seen that they've attempted to destroy this guy, They've spied on him. They've lied on him. Uh, you know, he's uncovered 
of the deep state. We've always known there's a deep state, or at least thought it. He showed how big the deep state was. Number two, we've always believed that the media slanted to the left. But again, he brought light into the darkness and showed that they don't slant to the left. They're part of the Democratic Party. They write speeches. They withhold information. They promote. I mean, they're the Joseph Goebbels uh, of the Democratic Party. They're propaganda. They're controlling. So those are two things, I believe, without a doubt. And number three, uh, now he's shown that our elections, we've always known there's corruption. The, the, the lie that there's no corruption in elections, do you not read our history books? The Chicago machine, how they fixed elections? Read about Kennedy's election and how votes were hidden and votes were found. I mean, they joke about it in places like Michigan, that uh, we'll get as many votes as we need. The Pennsylvania Attorney General, before a single vote was cast, said there's no way Donald Trump's gonna win this thing. After all the votes, wink, wink, have been counted, Donald Trump will lose. How do you say that as a top attorney when not a single ballot has been cast yet? Yeah, Shapiro is crooked. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. He's, he's completely crooked. And people always go about, you know, well, well, Donald Trump did this and did that. And I always go back to Cyrus, you know, Cyrus, um, you know, he was used by God to bring the Jews back. And he wasn't a man of God. Matter of fact, I don't know if you know this, but I've been reading this good book uh, called uh, Living with Lions by these two brothers. Great book, highly recommended. Uh, living with lions or living like Brian, uh, living like lions is by the Benham brothers. And they talk about Daniel and about how. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they lived in Babylon, and yet they honored God. And so we could do that here today. But he, they were talking about Jeremiah 5. And so I turned to Jeremiah 5, and in Jeremiah 5, it says, God says to Jeremiah in a vision that Nebuchadnezzar is my servant, and that I will use him to pass judgment. I mean, so in, in Jeremiah 5, it says that this is my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if Nebuchadnezzar's in the uh, the kingdom, although I, I honestly think that he is, and I wonder if Solomon is. I wonder if Solomon's in the kingdom. But I think Nebuchadnezzar, how many times did Nebuchadnezzar say, oh, my gosh, the God of Israel, this is the God of, I mean, three times he espoused the virtue of the God of the Jews, of Yahweh, Adonai, El Shaddai, Jehovah. And so it always makes me wonder, but God can use anybody. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, you look, he looks at the Syrians, right? The Assyrians to pass judgment. He used the Medo-Persians to pass judgment then on Nebuchadnezzar. Then he used the Romans to pass judgment on the Medo-Persian. And think about it. God was in control in the diaspora when they circled Jerusalem and basically they were eating each other. God was in control when Hitler was slaughtering 8 million Jews and Christians. As Americans, we got to realize Something dark has taken place. Now, I believe that uh, the Donald Trump is being used by God. But I also know if we do get Joe Biden, uh, then that might be some punishment. That, that because we have moved away from God, uh, we have mocked God, uh, and it's getting more, more common purpose than before. So I think we're in a, God's in a ripe time if he wanted to come back. Now's a great time. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, and, and yeah, as Christians, no matter what the outcome is, you know, like like you're saying, God is in control. It's part of the plan. Um, and, you know, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I, I find myself guilty of, of uh, conflating things and, and blowing it out of proportion. And, and honestly, I mean, if you look at um, 
Obama's administration, you know, yeah, he did a bunch of damage to the country. We're still here, right? And these are not the worst times that we've lived through as a as a species, right? You know, humans have had it much worse at other times, other points in history. It just seems more worse because now we have um, access to like 24-7 news. We're like bombarded with news, whereas 35 years ago, Walter Cronkite was only on for like an hour five o'clock news, six o'clock news or whatever. Now we're getting it 24 seven and it's just not healthy. Right. No, I, I actually like being off of LinkedIn. It became a time parasite because I, I haven't done social media. I've always stayed off of social media except for the business. But um, about four months ago, I just felt called that I got active on LinkedIn. I already had like 20, 2,500 followers because of my work and through businesses. And so I, I started getting active, started posting, uh, started doing all that. I got a huge following. I I, I collected in uh, three months uh, over a thousand people connecting with asked me to connect with them. I mean, it, it got I was up to over I think thirty two hundred, really big, and uh, got into it. Became a big part of my day and all that. Uh, God's given me the ability to explain things using psychology, using leadership, and all that. And I know the Word of God. I eat it daily. So I can tie it all together, and that's really what I do. I bring the the, the world of leadership the world of psychology, the world of biology. I teach a lot how this machine works. This is a machine. It's a system. And you got to realize the rules of the system. And then I wrap it in the word of God. And so I think I conflate all these different pieces that the world wants to separate. But to me, there's no separation. It all ties together. And I think that's my uniqueness. Uh, besides leading with my brokenness, besides not worrying about what people think about me, I'm a great speaker. I have a lot of energy. God's given me a lot of energy. And so I think what I do, though, is I bring the, 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 the things of the world and the things of God together and show how they all integrate, that they're not separate and apart. They feed each other. And that's what I think I love about what I do. And I, I get people on board. I can bring Christ into people's lives who aren't interested because I go to their heart through their head and I go to their head through their heart. I teach emotional intelligence. It's the ultimate double helix. To take the power of our emotions, and we're supposed to be emotional creatures. I mean, you know this, Daniel, the shortest verse in the English Bible, Jesus wept. Two words, Jesus wept. Jesus cried over Jerusalem. Jesus wept at the uh, tomb of Lazarus. Uh, Jesus, his soul was under death in the Garden of Gethsemane. He sweated, I mean, he sweated blood. Do you realize how intense you have to be to pop your capillaries? That's what happens. You got your surface vessels on the top are capillaries. And the intensity of them, when they pop, blood comes out of the pores. That's what happened. He was, a, we serve an emotional God, an emotional God. And yet there's a lot of people that are numb, that are shut down, that they don't feel. They stuff, 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 snap, stuff, 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 snap. And so I teach people how to take the power of their emotions because it's data. Your body's telling you something and incorporate that with our ability to reason, which God gave us in mind. Remember in Genesis 1.1, uh, it says, God, in the beginning, God created. I always tell people, stop right there. So our first introduction to God was as creator. And then when you drop down 25 verses, Genesis 1, 26, it says, let us make man in our image unto our likeness. So it says right there that God, uh, that God made us in the God class. Now, we're lower than the angels. The Bible's clear about that. But yet we were made in the God class. What does that matter? Because just like God was made to create, I mean, God wasn't made, I'm sorry, God created, we were made to create. And so in our mind, to think is to create, the Bible says. 
As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Bible says if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. See, God says to think is to create. Years ago, there was the book, you, uh, you're familiar with it, Rhonda Burney, The Secret, The Secret. All these new ages, The Secret. And I'm reading it, it's pretty good, you know, Law of Attraction, all that. And, and I, I lost me when she said, if anything bad happens to you, it's because you had a bad thought. And I had to put that down, right? That, I, I never finished the book after that. I'm like, so you, you're telling me 8 million Jews during World War II had bad thoughts. You're telling the Bible, so this is where it's dangerous knowing the Bible. The Bible says the rain falls on the saved and the unsaved, and the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, why does good things happen to bad people or bad things happen to good people? Well, because that's life. And studying that Bible, I learned two things, Daniel. Number one, life ain't no fair. And number two, it's tough. So life ain't no fair, and life is tough. So I tell people, put your big boy pants on, pick yourself up, Dust yourself off and hit again. Um, Proverbs 24, 16. A righteous man will stumble seven times, but get back up. But the wicked will stumble into ruin. We got to do our best not to stumble into ruin. But I got to be honest with you, I've been struggling lately. I've been, I can't believe that God allowed, and maybe it hasn't happened yet, but I thought for sure Trump was going to win pretty big. And I see the, see the lying. I see the cheating. I, there's no way that 75 million people voted for Joe Biden when that didn't even happen for Barack Obama. Barack Obama was a trendsetter. There was nobody excited. So that's why they wanted mail-in ballots. So you need no enthusiasm. They kept talking about enthusiasm gap. If you're at home in your underwear filling out a ballot, you don't need enthusiasm. But in these inner cities, like Maxine Waters and Chicago and Detroit, you have precinct bosses, precinct captains, little local uh, people that they basically deliver all these votes. That gives them power, that gives them money. And so there was a lot of vote, uh, ballots cast, but I do not believe in my heart of hearts, and I do not believe in close, that 75 million people filled out a ballot intentionally themselves for Joe Biden. Absolutely did not happen. And, I, and again, I would put my life on the line. Uh, again, not my salvation. <laughs> Close my eyes here, open up in Christ, right? Yeah. No, but I'm with you, man. It's like there's incontrovertible evidence of vast wrongdoing and fraud. And I mean, we we predicted this, we feared it, it's happened. And you're absolutely right. I mean, there is no way that Biden didn't campaign half as much. Biden, you know, he didn't have people saying, you know, I'm a lifelong Democrat, I'm going to walk away and because you know, I'm tired of the Democrats. There were so many people that's that um you know were on the right, you know, that are gonna vote for Trump and, and so on. And so yeah, it, it's and I live in Pennsylvania. So, you know, one one thing I can uh fir firmly attest to is like my wife had sent away for an absentee ballot, a mail on ballot, never came. And then when we went to vote, you know, they gave her a normal ballot. Okay. She filled it out, but then they put it in an envelope and set it aside. They didn't even scan it. And we're like, what the heck's going on, right? And they're like, well, we have to make sure that you, your mail-in ballot didn't come in. I'm like, what is that all about? You should be able to know. These are computerized results. You should be able to say whether the ballot was used or not. And you know, when you scan in this one that's in person, it nullifies the other one, right? And so I, I don't, we don't know what happened to that ballot, right? They probably threw it in the trash or burned it or something. I don't know. And there's documented people signing affidavits in Nevada, in Michigan, that they threw away Trump votes, that they were told to hide when they're changing things, that they were updating things. And 
filling out signatures and all that and people they didn't even know because the ballot wouldn't count. I mean, all this. And yet, if you say to the media that there's fraud, I mean, LinkedIn bans you. They kick you off LinkedIn, Facebook. A friend of mine got three days uh, probation just now on Facebook because talking about this. The media is protecting him. The media is wanting you to believe that he's present. They couldn't wait to announce him as president. And yet there's a lot of countries around this world. Our, our election has not been certified. It's never happened before that you got Joe Biden acting as a president out there. It's not even over. It's not been certified yet. And yet he's acting like he's president. This is all the media job about getting him ensconced. People start acting. And then now if it, Trump comes back and it shows he won, they're going to again, like they did for four years, say he's illegitimate. That's what they've been doing for four years in off of lies, off of Russia lies that weren't true. Yeah, it's, it, it makes me sad as a human being. Uh, and But I hope it's just more clarification that God's right around the corner coming back to get his church out of here. Yeah. Well, Scott, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I mean, it was it was great to get to know you a little bit better and share your story with our, our uh, listeners and so on. So thanks a lot for being on the show. You're welcome. And um, I encourage people to check out Like It Matters radio show, likeitmatters.com. Yeah, and likeitmattersradio.com. That's likeitmattersradio.com. And they can go to that website and they can see, uh, they can pick up any archived messages. It, we're live from 11 to 12 a.m. Central Standard Time. So it's 12 to 1 your time. And you can actually go listen live anywhere in the country by going to uh, freedom1570.com. So freedom1570.com. It's a conservative Christian radio station out of Minneapolis. Now, you hit that link. Uh, you're automatically live with me at 11 o'clock Central Standard Time. But if they miss the show, they can go to likeitmattersradio.com and listen to it then. And then my training site is likeitmatters.net. That's my leadership training, likeitmatters.net. And then my blog, daily blog I do is wayofwarrior.blog. And if you go to the bottom right on that, if you open it up and go to the bottom right, there's a button that says follow. If you hit that button, you can type in your email address and every day I post, it will automatically be sent to you. That's awesome. Thanks, brother. All right. Have a great day, Daniel. Thank you. Be, be blessed. All right. God bless you. You've been listening to the America for God podcast. Don't forget to like us on free speech platforms, Parler, Gab, Kodias, MeWe, and Mind. Also, spread the word among your friends and family, because as Jesus said in Matthew 18.20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Have a blessed rest of your day.